Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. Let's take tech in the right direction to drive social change and close the employment, pay, and culture gap for women in technology. This podcast is focused on helping turn ideas into action and create opportunities for women to advance in the dynamic technology industry. I hope this podcast will inspire and motivate you to encourage more women and girls to seek or grow a career as a woman in technology. Stories about the journey of amazing women in the tech field starts right now. This week in our Women in Technology segment, I will be talking with Sarah Haggard. Sarah is a proven business leader who has led multiple startup initiatives within her decade-long career in product marketing at Microsoft. Raising $40 million to scale her last business, expert in P&L management, enterprise software, and go-to-market strategy, Sarah's tenacity and drive for results led to her being widely recognized as a turnaround expert and new business incubator. Sarah's leadership style is engaging and authentic. Her superpower is her ability to spot patterns, create high-performing teams, and activate the right people at the right time to deliver results. Sarah holds a master's degree in business administration from Seattle University and a bachelor's of arts in anthropology and business administration from Augustana College in Rock Island, Illinois. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So excited to have you. Um, can you share with us a little bit about your career path in technology? Yes, I would love to. So I actually ended up in technology a little bit by accident. Um, I actually began my career as a social scientist, uh, studied anthropology, thought I would go change the world kind of one person at a time, mm -hmm. um, and then you know realized in that pursuit that um, it would be wise to go into the business world to you know really uh, be able to affect change at just a higher level, uh, you know g going out and gaining kind of that money, influence, and power that I think we need to be able to affect societal change at a mm -hmm. macro level. Um, and so I, you know, I ended up um, early on, you know, shifting my focus into business and joined Microsoft at 24 and spent over a decade uh, there at Microsoft and working in various product marketing roles and really found, uh, again, kind of by accident that I really have this love for technology and how it solves, you know, big societal problems that we have today. That's great. Um, that's interesting um, how you've influenced uh, business through technology because now business um, technology is not driving business, business is driving technology. So uh, learning the business outcomes at Microsoft has really helped you grow your career path, which is really, really interesting. So did you always know that working with technology, I know you said it was an accident, but when did you really connect and say, wow, I love technology. This is this is what I want to do. <laughs> what was that spark? What was that moment? I, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head, which is that the business today is really driving the technology agenda, not the other way around. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I remember famously telling my parents who were both technologists, you know, at, at an early age that I was never going to work with computers. <laughs> I was going to work with people, you know, and, and it was... I don't even know what brought that on, except for I thought, you know, as kids do, we have to follow our parents' footsteps, you know, mm -hmm. and I was adamant that I wasn't going to do that um, because it just computers felt 
you know, in, inhuman in some way. And I wasn't, I didn't want any part of that. And, you know, fast forward, technology is a people business today and it is a business driven business. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I just loved that, um, I could, I could dig into a media problem I wanted to solve and I could reverse engineer the technology that we needed to prioritize to solve that problem. And I got to do that several times over my career at Microsoft and realized I'm kind of good at this. <laughs> so right. uh, maybe this is for me after all. That's great. Um, I know you are ready to launch a, an amazing app uh, this month. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so about 18 months ago, uh, January of 2018, I had this spark that, um, you know, for me as a woman in technology, uh, after spending a decade at Microsoft and having many different assigned mentors to me throughout that period, uh, you know, mentorship to me always felt so necessary and needed, but so uncomfortable and awkward at the same time. And I was really just sort of Uh, There was a time in my career where I was really struggling and and looking for a female mentor, and I just didn't know even where to look or where to begin. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, about 18 months ago, I said, you know, this this is strange. We've got the technology today to be able to make mentorship more accessible and efficient and effective. um, But where is it? And so I ended up uh, creating an app uh, called Tribute. And so we're a modern mentorship uh, application, mobile-first app. Um, that helps employees connect on shared life experiences. So we help people um, kind of get out of this paradigm of mentorship always has to start with our professional goals or our resumes and says, nope, we can take a more human-centric approach to mentorship, helping people connect in a more authentic, easy way. But we can pair that with technology that makes it more accessible uh, for all. And so that. Uh, that was about 18 months ago. I just left Microsoft full-time a couple months ago, and now I'm uh, leading Tribute uh, full-time. That's amazing. Um, so can you share with me a little bit about what those shared experiences are? So how do people connect? Because I think this is such an important part of what you're doing to kind of bring that human uh, side into technology. So. Tell me a little bit about, you know, how relationships are formed outside of technology and then how how does it relate and how are you connecting the dots? Yeah, so, you know, one of my observations early on in my um, early on in my life, and I think what drove me to even the pursuit of, you know, an anthropology degree and, and a curiosity into social sciences has always been watching how and why humans connect. Right. Why do we connect and where do we disconnect? And I found through my own life experience and, you know, connections that I've made, uh, you know, in that time is that we we tend to sort of gravitate towards uh, what we know, uh, which can be good and bad. Uh, but we also, when we're connecting with other people, you know, and you'll notice this now in your own interactions, the next time you send an intro email to somebody, you'll you'll connect dots naturally. You'll say, oh, you went to this college or, hey, you both grew up in the Midwest or, hey, mm-hmm. you both. Uh, started your career in retail, but then made the leap to technology, right? Like you, you find these little connections that we have uh, or shared life experiences, as we call them in tribute. Um, and, and that's how humans tend to connect. And so for me, it was quite obvious that what we were missing in mentorship was this this initial connection moment before we get to the task 
of mentorship. And so some of the examples of shared life experiences within Tribute that you can seek mentorship around are things like, um, you know, I feel like I'm the only woman in the room, or I'm a stay-at-home mom and I'm coming back to work mm-hmm. for the first time, or I'm learning how to navigate difficult conversations. I'm having trouble with a difficult boss or coworker. Right? These are real lived experiences that people are going through that are seeking mentorship around. And then we and then somehow we go from there to putting our resumes in front of each other and now you're my mentor. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well wait a minute, shouldn't we <laughs> back up and actually acknowledge what it is that you're seeking mentorship on and find somebody who's kind of lived that experience, uh, gone through it, and has the wisdom to share back with you how they were able to navigate that. And so that's where we start. With that's that's amazing. And, you know, I think back to anytime we struggle with something, we think we're alone, right? So building this community, sharing those stories, sharing that experience, and knowing there are other people who are feeling that way, makes you just connect with them and say, okay, what do I do? What did you do? How did you get there? So that's that's just amazing. Um, as a woman in the technology field, what are some of the challenges that you've faced? Um, you know, you've been at Microsoft for 10 years and now you're starting a technology solution um, to help people uh, on mentorship. What are some of the challenges that you've uh, experienced as a woman moving down these paths? Yeah, that's a uh, a great question. I um, and I and I just pause because it's like, where do I go with this? Yes, <laughs> you know, we all like, have. Yeah, where do we I go with this? Experiences but, on that. You know, I think, and, and I did. I thought about this, you know, in, in preparation for this conversation. And, and honestly, what I come back to is a couple of things. I think, you know, in my lifetime, I've seen technology go from uber complex and very ex- elusive and exclusive to something that's very accessible today. And I think by nature of that, you know, more women are being included in an opportunity to influence and impact technology. But I do think, um, you know, some of the challenges that I faced um, externally is that I think that there's still this belief, you know, when a woman walks in the room versus when a man walks in, that a man is just sort of anointed uh, as a technologist, where women have to prove ourselves a little bit more. Yeah. I think that there's that feeling, I think internally, maybe partly due to that external factor, you know, women struggle a little bit more with imposter syndrome. And mm-hmm. that's something that we, you know, dealing with our inner critic, um, you know, and really squashing that is is something that has been a challenge for me, you know, because I didn't go and com- study computer science. So how dare I say I'm a technologist. Well, mm-hmm. you know, kind of going back to our earlier point, with technology becoming a people business and with the business driving the technology agenda more and more, I don't have to have a computer science degree to be a technologist, to be somebody who's driving the technology agenda. And I think for me, that revelation has really helped me overcome the challenge of my own mind saying, you know, I don't deserve to be here. Yeah, I think the confidence, building our own confidence um, sometimes is more than half the battle, right? If we come in being confident and saying, yes, we can do that, and then prove that we have the skills to do it uh, is so critical to our success. So I think you hit the nail on the head where, 
you know, some of the challenges are internal. Your internal critic is telling you, no, you're not qualified or you don't have that degree. Uh, but really, we have so many business skills, collaboration skills, uh, empathy, all of those things that are so critical to success of any business project that we have a lot to offer. Absolutely. Stay tuned for the rest of today's interview after a brief word from our sponsor. Are you an expert in your field? Are you a woman who values thought leadership? We'd love to have you join us as a guest on an upcoming episode of Tech in the Right Direction. Visit us at directionstraining.com forward slash podcast to apply today. So Sarah, do you feel that women have the same opportunities as men today in the tech world? You know, I think it's getting a lot better um, in my lifetime as I've seen and, and just even the focus and encouragement of more women in STEM careers. Um, but I would say that um, the true measure of the quality for women in the workplace, um, you know, in the technology industry or any industry really comes down to, you know, are we able to work in a way that's compatible with the way we work? right, the way women fundamentally operate and the seasons of our life, right, whether that's um, having children, whether mm -hmm. that's going through menopause, which, you know, is something we've never talked about right. in the right. workplace, you know, but it's so important, you know, uh, for women because, um, you know, I think we have the same opportunities in terms of, you know, can we get the job, um, can we do the work, uh, can we be recognized, rewarded for it, I mean, you know, you there's places where you could say there's absolute equity there. But overall, at the macro level, I don't think we're going to have, I don't think women are going to have the same opportunities as men until, um, you know, culturally, uh, we're allowed to, you know, bring our, our authentic full selves to work. And we're able to go on maternity leave and have our jobs be there when we get back, um, you know, but to be able to um, have the support that a woman needs to complement um, her work uh, that that truth be told men have never needed before <laughs> and so you know the world is just sort of keeping on keeping on you know uh, and not really acknowledging that women at different seasons and, and periods of her life are going to need different levels of support in the workplace and I think until we really create that workplace um, you know women won't have that same equity and equality as men. I completely agree um, I think you know women have different life cycles, different responsibilities. Um, and until those responsibilities are equaled, we're always going to have the challenge because somehow, um, you know, we are always responsible for the children. It's not a equal, you know, the dad and the mom have the same kind of responsibilities. It's yeah. automatically assumed the woman's going to take the child to the doctor or, you know, uh, the woman can't travel because she has kids. But, you know, in a man's world, we don't think that way. They just get up and go if they need to travel or uh, they don't think they need to take the child to the doctor. So I think if we start to uh, level set the expectations of who does what and equally divide that, um, mm -hmm. we still you know, have a long way to go, I think, with that.
I 100% agree. And I think on that, even, you know, I'm seeing articles now where, you know, men are getting greater paternity leave and, you know, we're seeing changing rooms in men's bathrooms. I mean, it's, it's, it's both, right. We need to create, uh, you know, there's dads out there that want to take parental leave and go spend time with their kids and take them to the doctor. And so I think, yeah, I mean, I, I think the, you know, the answer to that question is just such a cultural transformation that we need to go on that not only levels the roles that women and men play, you know, at, at home and in work, but that creates companies that allow that flexibility um, for women to, women and men, uh, to find that balance. And, and also, you know, kind of separate but related, but, you know, women work just so fundamentally different than men and and you know we talk about the female and the male archetype and how our thought patterns and processes work and today i still see a very male dominant way of thinking in the workplace um, beyond just you know the the sort of male oriented roles that we play and that also needs to and i and i see it changing but that needs to uh, we need to embrace uh, more of a female archetype of way of being that's more collaborative, that's more transparent, that, you know, is more curious and asks questions. And, you know, that those types of cultural, uh, you know, or, or I would say cultural changes, but being accepted for that way of working, I think when we're able to do that, then women are going to have the same opportunities as men in the tech industry and well beyond. I completely agree. I just want to kind of share... Um one thought with you that, you know, I think it has to go back to when we're raising our children as well to raise them um, in that equal form. Because um, if a boy is crying, you'll say, oh, you know, man up. You don't need to cry. It's fine. He'll be OK. If a girl is crying, you nurture her, you hug her, you're, you're like, it's not, it's not, you know, you're trying to soothe and nurture the girl. And so we raise our kids very differently. And so the expe- expectations are different as we grow. And so I, I really think that, you know, showing that same responsibility for boys and girls as they're growing up and raising them that way is going to help us have more equal opportunities as well. What are your thoughts on that? I, I 100% agree, and and I think what and I love that you brought up that example of a, a boy crying because I think many men feel uh, that they too can't bring their full authentic mm-hmm. selves to work too, right? Like if I want to uh, slow down the conversation and ask more questions, I'm perceived as weak. Mm-hmm. You know, if I want to display empathy towards another employee, I'm weak. You know, mm-hmm. and I think um, you're absolutely right that until we recognize that equality for women and men in the workplace means an equal balance and respect for the masculine and the feminine energy and archetype and what that means, um, you know, regardless of your gender, um, until we get there from parenting to, you know, in the workplace and beyond, I think we're, we're not going to see an equi- equitable world. And, and so, you know, it's, I just bring that up because so many people think, oh, to solve this, we just need need more women in tech. And I think mm-hmm. that's part of the solution, but it's not really, to me, addressing the more fundamental uh, root cause of that inequality. Absolutely. So very true. Um, I always, I love this saying, I, I always say um, that, you know, women, when they are, 
expressing kindness, never to take that as weakness because kindness is not weakness. Kindness is that empathy, um, you know, collaboration, working with everybody. It is not weakness. And so you you mentioned that and I thought, you know, that's my quote and it's always in my head. Please don't mistake kindness for weakness. Absolutely. It's a quiet strength. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so then on the other side, what advantages do you think we have as women in the technology field today? Yeah, I think, you know, um, women just, you know, I was listening to um, Coco speak at the Women in Technology Network uh, conference this year, mm -hmm. earlier this year in, in Kansas City. And I think she said it best. She said, you know, we're in this environment today where uh, the female archetype is really what's needed to take business to the next level, right? So it's it's traits, um, and I, I use female archetype because I think, you know, I believe that both men and women exhibit masculine and feminine traits. Right? Mm -hmm. we, 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 we do. And, but I do believe that up until this point, the more masculine traits have been rewarded in business. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, uh, and now we're in this time of transition where some of those female traits like collaboration, curiosity, transparency, empathy, um, you know, that's what we need at this time. And so mm -hmm. I think for women, the fact that we naturally exhibit more of that archetype uh, and that means that we're going to have more opportunities to step into positions of leadership and power because that's what the world needs right now. And it's just a fascinating time. And I'm, I'm really excited to be kind of at the forefront of that because I think it's absolutely our, our time <laughs> and our yes. turn to lead. That's great. Um, those soft skills are so critical. So, and we come innately with them that we can really demonstrate um, that we are qualified. We are. We have the skills, and then some for you know any of the technology projects that are out there. So, what advice would you give to a woman who is considering a career in technology, either one that does not have a background in technology or the ones that are in a male-dominated industry, what can they do uh, to further themselves in their career? Yeah, I, I would say go for it with gusto. You deserve to be there. You have a unique voice. You have a unique opinion. Um, and really what I would say is find a mentor as soon as you can, right? And it can be a female mentor, it can be a, a male mentor, but find a mentor who is going to continue to nurture that confidence in you that you do deserve to be in the room and that you do have a unique uh, point of view. The, the second thing I'll say is that it took me the better half of my 20s to understand what that unique point of view was. And so, you know, uh, developing that and understanding what it is the problem that you want to solve, what it is that you're truly passionate and what drives you um, is also something that, you know, when you have that knowledge together with a mentor and a purpose, uh, you're just unstoppable. So that's what I would say to women looking to get in technology today. Tell us how, um, when you found out what that passion was, what was that spark? How did you find it? Because I'm sure there's people out there saying, I don't know what my passion is. I have no mm -hmm. idea what I'm good at. You know, uh, what can they do to, you know, dig up that 
that passion and understand mm-hmm. it better? Uh, yeah, no, that's that's a great question as well. I didn't know that for uh, most of my life, although now that I do know that my pa- you know my passion is really around how to create a more you know equitable, just world. Uh, I do that. Uh, through mentorship, I do that by connecting humans together because I think that that makes us all feel more like we belong. Um, and and I say that it took me most of my life to figure that out, but when I look back, the trail markers were there, right? Mm-hmm. Of the things that I chose to you know pursue and do. You know, for me, I think my best advice to someone who may be searching for what that passion or purpose is is to ask yourself one really simple question, and that's, would you do it for free? If nobody in the world paid you and, you know, and let's say you didn't need to make another dollar ever, you know, again, because I think scarcity and ideas of, oh my gosh, I need to make money and take care of myself and get in the way a lot of, you know, what our true hearts are telling us. Um, So ask yourself, would you do it for free? And really just be curious about what are the things that um, get you amped up and get you excited and ultimately, um, you also need to spend time with that question. That's really it. I think I avoided that question for so long because I just thought, well, that's something for a later day or a later time. You know, when I buy my house, when I have my kids, when I get married, when I have my 401k, I mean, I just kept putting all these Mm -hmm. milestones, you know, that we think we have to do in a life before really sitting down with that question. And when I did that sincerely, um, I found the answer was there all along. So. That's so true. Yeah. And, and I think that's a great question. Would you be able to do, you know, would you still love it if you did it for free? Um, and I know in my business, I'm very passionate about what I do. And, you know, the bottom line and the money comes by your passion, not the other way around. You don't get passion um, from, you know, making money. Um, it, it Obviously, you need the business to succeed and make money and be profitable and all of those things. But it comes that automatically comes when you're passionate and excited and motivated about all the right things. Like we are so obsessed about our customers and want to always do the right thing for the customer. Everything else works out. So it, it's it's so true. That's great advice. Um, so what three words would your friends use to describe you? <laughs> I think my friends would describe me as smart, uh, driven, certainly, and generous. Um, I kind of live my life uh, in a pay-it-forward model and have found that to be really the greatest gift uh, to myself, even, to live that way. And it's, uh, it's just a great way to live. That's great. Those are great um, descriptions of you, and I think... Um, you, you have a lot of tenacity and drive, so driven is really, really important um, characteristic of you. So they, they've kind of nailed it, nailed it and hit it on the head. So Sarah, it was such a pleasure. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Tech in the Right Direction. Please take a minute to subscribe or follow so that you never miss an episode. Also, don't forget to like, share, and comment. Thank you. See you next week. From IT skill enhancements to end-user adoption training, Directions Training is your resource to help optimize the effectiveness of your technology investments. Over half a million students have taken advantage of our wide selection of technology and business training solutions 
covering the most popular applications today, such as Microsoft 365, Azure, Windows 10, and more. As a podcast listener, we invite you to take advantage of an exclusive offer. Receive 30 days of free access to our Microsoft official curriculum on-demand courses for IT professionals or end-users. Visit us at www.directionstraining.com slash podcast to claim this offer today. Hurry, this offer is only available for a limited time. Success is a journey. Ask for directions.